stuck in your venture, feeling isolated as an entrepreneur and know that you can be making and doing more? Whether you're a nooks and cranny entrepreneur or full on, this podcast offers quick, actionable tips and tricks for new and emerging entrepreneurs to move your business venture forward and make more dollars out of sense. Guided Success for Entrepreneurs with your host, Sheila T. Welcome to Guided Success for Entrepreneurs with Sheila T. Last week, we talked about how your business can be a lot like raising children. And perhaps this week's topic is timely, as our guest today certainly has an important topic that is critical to successfully raising your business. We've been talking strategic partners this year, and of course, it's also the focus of the Entrepreneur Summit coming up in October. Our guest today is the fabulous Amy Hoy of Venture CPA, and we visited with her last year, and we're revisiting with her with respect to the relationship with your CPA and some of the aspects of what you may not be thinking about. Beyond honest, I know that many of you are doing your own books and your own taxes. So this is particularly for you. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, Sheila. I'm very happy to be back. I'm excited to have you. And I know everyone's just really excited to hear what you have to say, because this is such an important topic that's ongoing. In fact, I I say it's tax time sort of always like, no, really. <laughs> so Absolutely. So let's uh, jump in and address maybe the big elephant that is always in the room. And when we start talking taxes, and that is, uh, as I mentioned, so many entrepreneurs are doing their own. So talk to us about the good, bad and ugly of doing just that. Oh, boy, yes doing taxes on your own. So uh, the good, bad, and ugly. Uh, so the good, you know, you can save money on your tax preparation fees for sure. So that's good. Uh, bad is that you may be actually losing money because you are doing your own taxes and you're overpaying in taxes. Um, and then I would say the ugly is taxes. I mean, who wants to do their own taxes? <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty ugly. So uh, I would absolutely not recommend doing your own taxes. It's very risky and it can actually end up costing you more than you think you're saving because you'd be overpaying in taxes. Um, but, you know, you didn't ask, but let's talk about bookkeeping because that's another very, very important uh, part of small business. Everybody needs to do some sort of bookkeeping, uh, which is a little bit different than taxes. You know, I'm, uh, I am actually an advocate for people doing their own bookkeeping if they do it properly, if they get the proper training. And of course, they need to somewhat enjoy doing their own bookkeeping. <laughs> so uh, I think that uh, there's a lot of benefits to doing your own bookkeeping. You get to see the transactions that come out of your business account. You get real hands-on experience in that. But regardless of whether or not uh, you do your own bookkeeping, you absolutely need it. You need the results of bookkeeping, which is a profit and loss statement to show you the results of your labor in your business. Uh, you need that balance sheet to show you what type of equity you're building in your business. And you need to know your cash flow, which will accurately determine which direction your business can go and help you make decisions. So taxes, do not try to DIY your taxes. You're probably losing more money than you're saving. Uh, and bookkeeping, well, that's uh, whether or not you want to do it and, and learn that task, but definitely something every small business person needs. And, and you bring up a good point because 
Bookkeeping is so critical to your point, whether you're going to hire that out or do it yourself. One, yeah, you got to kind of enjoy it because it's a real pain. But it's also so critical, all those three components that you mentioned for things like if you're going to the bank for a loan, for a line of credit for your business, those are things that you need to have and at least have a couple of years under your belt. So bring in kind of your file folder of receipts and your spreadsheet that you've put together and go do it. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you never, you never know. You're going to refinance your house, you're self-employed, the bank wants financial statements. So if you don't have those and you don't have the proper tools to make good business decisions, if you don't have proper financial statements. So, and a very important aspect of business. So critical. And I didn't ask you about this, but I forgot because so many people utilize this. And I won't mention someone in my household that does too, but these are the, um, the TurboTax kind of uh, tax software that uh, as a business owner, uh, there's some, there's some real pitfalls. What can you talk to us about maybe why that's not such a good idea? Because when people say, oh, I do my own taxes, some of them use some of those softwares and they're, they're missing things. Of course. Yeah. Turbo tax is great. If you are a W-2 employee, you own your home, you have kids, married, you know, the basics. You don't own a small business. You don't have any rental properties. Tur- turbo tax works fine for that. I, I'm actually fine with those people going to turbo tax. But once you buy a rental property, start a business, turbo tax will ask you questions, but it's not going to think intuitively and think ahead about things that you may be doing um, or not doing that can help you with taxes. It's software. It's not a human being that can help you think through tax savings ideas and stuff like that. So yes, no tur- no TurboTax for small business owners. Yes, thank you. Yeah, there, and I think there's something like, I don't know, the statistic has probably changed, but like 50,000 new tax laws every year that come out. And so in my world, like if you're not in that space, why in the world would you try to keep up on all that? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then especially the last two years, there's been at least three major tax law changes in the last two years alone. So that is uh, hard enough as a professional in the industry to keep up on. Somebody who is not definitely impossible to keep up on all those changing rules. And they're going to change again, you know, in the next year or two. So get get somebody, get somebody who does it for a living. This is why I have you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we kind of led right into, because it was going to be around my next question here, but certainly what's the benefit of not only hiring a, a CPA, but maybe that that business relationship, but it kind of ties into what we were just talking about with a with a tax software. Uh, that is not your your business consultant as a CPA. So maybe uh, talk a little bit more about the benefits of of hiring a person like you. Yeah, good point. You can't have a relationship with your tax software. <laughs> and I think the key word and what you just said is a relationship. As a small business owner, you should have a key advisors in your circle, those being a CPA, a financial advisor, insurance agents, some people have coaches, or whoever is on the inner circle of your business, these are the people that are gonna help guide you to success. So these relationships need to be real relationships which involve communication, quality service, and they should be helping you. And if you're not satisfied with one of those advisors in your group, 
or you're not getting the kind of help you, you think you need from those advisors, you definitely need to look for new advisors because these are the inner circle of your business. These are the people you're leaning on to help you succeed in your business. So make sure they're working for you. Yeah, it's why I talk about the strategic partners because truly are they are the strategic partners in relationships. And um, when folks are not are not thinking in that realm, these are these are the big potential pitfalls that you can make in business. You know, certainly taxes uh, from a strategy perspective is a big one. So I uh, love that the work that that we do. You know, you you know my business, you understand my business, and we have strategic conversations about what the tax strategy is too. Again, you can't get that from. Uh, software, but it's also, you know, not all businesses are created equal and certainly not all CPA firms are created equal. So what I might say is when, uh, when folks are looking for that CPA relationship, what are the key questions that they should be asking to really help determine the best fit for their business? Yeah, they're, uh, they're definitely not all equal. And uh, a lot are about just the work and getting the work done. Uh, I choose to take more of a relationship point of view on it, because I think relationships are very important. Like you said, with these strategic partners, these key advisors, your relationship is a huge part um, of your business. So I think uh, the best advice I can give on that would be to make sure you're comfortable with the person, not necessarily questions to ask. I mean, obviously you need to know that they're capable and qualified and certified and all of that stuff, but don't be afraid to get personal. You know, ask questions about themselves, their family, their interests, get to know them, and then also share about yourself and about your goals and your business. Uh, it doesn't have to be a formal interview. I think it's actually better if it's just a casual conversation to get to know each other and make sure you're connecting with that person because that's the person you're going to call when you need something. And if there's not a connection, you might dread the phone call. So you're not going to call. You're not doing yourself any good if you're not connecting with your CPA or your other advisors. Um, so besides being qualified and capable, I think a true connection uh, is the ultimate determination of a, a good relationship and which will help you be successful with those advisors. You know, and I think as I look back and, and you know, anyone that listens to the podcast knows I've had an interesting journey with uh, CPA firms and bookkeepers and all kinds of things. And way back when, what I wish I would have known, you know, sometimes we we get advice and it's not necessarily bad advice, but way back in the beginning, when I just opened up my S Corp, I hired like a huge CPA firm thinking that's what I needed. And they really specialized in big business, not startup entrepreneurs like I was in that moment. While, while my goals at that joint were lofty, uh, I paid a lot of money for a huge firm that really catered more to large corporations and didn't give me that strategic attention. So if I would have known some of the, the questions to ask and, and really what to look for in a CPA firm, I think I could have made better choices. And so what you didn't mention, but I know you do, is you specialize in working with entrepreneurs, small business, uh, that, you know, that that is a, a good fit for your firm, as opposed to maybe, you know, all the huge uh, corporations like like the I'll say the Amazons or whatever of the world. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Yes, that's a really good point, because not all CPA firms are created equal in that. 
I wouldn't touch big business. I don't deal in big business. That is a very different world. Um, so I am uh, your small business person. I'm an advocate for small business people, and I offer services that are catered towards small to medium-sized business people. So yes, that is important to know about the firm that you're talking to, what they specialize in, where their area of expertise lies. Um, mine lies with small business and real estate. So those are my areas of expertise and the things that I enjoy the most and focus on. Yes. And then that was an important part. It took a long journey to, to sort of get to you for me. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think that that's really important too, when you're looking at your CPA firm. Um, and some of that's ego, I got to tell you, you know, I was like, oh, I need the biggest and the da da da. And that was not what was serving my needs. And, and that those kinds of organizations typically aren't giving you attention. And they're also in, in my case, we're not serving me well because I wasn't the type of business that they normally serve. So yeah, I think that's such an important part. Um, and, and what, so in working with uh, folks, particularly this year, but, but always, this is a question that comes up fairly often along the journey uh, of working with my clients. And that is uh, around employees, W-2 versus contractors, and the rules around this seem to change. So uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about the difference between a 1099 contractor and a W-2 employee, kind of the lines there. And, you know, I think that the lines are, you know, are you paying attention to the IRS, to the tax peeps, to the Federal Department of Labor and State Department of Labor, uh, you know, and, and they have different lens of discrepancies. So what's your guidelines around that for, uh, for entrepreneurs that may be hiring their first employee and or 1099? Or is there maybe an ABC test for that? Yes. So uh, I love this question because I love education and I love helping people uh, educate people on uh, different tax topics because it is uh, it is crazy out there and very hard to make decisions related to tax. So contrary to popular popular beliefs, um, the rules have not changed. There is an ABC out there. It is uh, on the IRS website. The rules haven't changed. What has changed is the argument in the rules, the details, which is the case for almost every IRS situation. That's why so many situations get caught up in court, arguing the details of the rules. So really what the IRS says, it's all about control and independence. So they put forth three things to consider when you're considering whether or not to make your new hire a contractor or an employee. First is the behavioral control. So do you tell this person when to show up for work, when they can leave for work, when their break is, what to do? Are you controlling their behaviors during the day? Or are you just simply asking them to do a particular task or job for you and then waiting for them to get back or complete that job? So the latter would be your contractor, your 1099 contractor. Um, and then the former would be your employee. If you are controlling what that person does throughout the day, uh, then they are, if you have to train them how to do the job, that's another big indicator on the W-2 employee, because you don't generally have to train contractors how to do the job. Your contractor knows that's why you contracted them. So uh, behavior of control is number one. Uh, financial control is number two. Are they using your work truck? Are they using your work tools? I, I mean, that's an employee. If they're showing up to work at nine o'clock every morning, getting in 
your work truck owned by your business using your tools to do the job. I mean, they're an employee. They're not, they're not a contractor. You have both behavioral and financial control over them. So uh, the behavioral financial control, and then uh, also your relationship with them. So do you have any sort of written contract with them? Um, the, the services they're providing, are they uh, key activities of the business? Uh, for, you know, I, I always go back to like the plumbers and the, the um, contractors out there. Are they, are they providing those types of services, which are regular for your business? In, you know, as if you hire an accountant and you're a plumber, that's a contractor. They have no, you know, clearly that's, that's black and white, it's clearly a contractor. That's not a part of your business, but if uh, your relationship with them is really uh, directing them and uh, showing, uh, you know, showing them which route to go and you have a contract with them, they're, they're definitely W-2 employees. So there's a lot of gray in that, <laughs> a lot of gray. So it is spelled out. There are rules. However, uh, you really have to look at the details of every individual situation. And this kind of stuff is always being battled out in the courts. So that uh, it, it changes constantly. But the, uh, the burden of proof really is on the person hiring. So you really need to make that, that decision, the uh, ramifications of making somebody a contractor when they could be an employee or they should be an employee is definitely not something you want to deal with. So very good question. Yes. And, you know, and, and another reason yet to have this relationship, right? Because who would necessarily know that off the top of their head? Now, here's the other little sticky wicket that I have with some of my clients. And for whatever reason, they're like, no, I really don't want to hire like employees. I just want contractors. Yet they really do have an employee. What is your uh, maybe caveat mTOR to them on on having an employee that meets that criteria you just mentioned as an employee, yet they are a 1099, what's the potential pitfalls that they can get themselves in trouble with? Um, if the employee uh, determines they should be an employee, if something goes wrong with that relationship, the employee can go to the Department of Labor, the IRS, and uh, complain. And then all of a sudden you're finding yourself in you know, tax court or Department of Labor court. So you know, you, that's, that's not something anybody wants. <laughs> it is, it is definitely a hard decision, you know, employee or new hires want to be employees because they get to share in the burden of that social security and Medicare, you know, tax that you, you as their employer have to pay half of it. So employees, you know, people want to be employees for that reason. Employers want contractors because they don't want to have to pay those additional Medicare, social security, unemployment, workman's comp, you know, all of that, but maybe there are good reasons to make them an employee. Maybe you do want control. You don't want them out there doing whatever they want. Uh, you want to control their schedule and their time. And that's a very good reason to make them employees and just take on the burden of the social security and Medicare. It's not, uh, I mean, it's not good. Nobody wants to pay taxes, but you also want to make sure that the, the employees or contractors for your business are happy if you, if they're good ones especially uh, keep them around and uh, agree you know on their status yeah with your yeah. business 
And of course, that you know, I think what's scary for entrepreneurs, particularly on their very first hire, and if that's a uh, either or, but certainly a, a regular W two employee, I think they get so nervous on the on just what you said, like, oh, I have to do that all by myself. Well, again, no, they don't. There are services, and certainly wraparound that you offer as well for payroll services. So it doesn't have to be difficult, right? Yes. No. <laughs> yes. No. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be difficult. It is quite overwhelming. Just being self-employed is quite overwhelming. There are a lot of rules and regulations and things you need to do, forms you need to file, compliance, all of that stuff. As an entrepreneur, that can get extremely overwhelming. So that's why education is definitely my favorite thing to do because once you know. It's really not that overwhelming. And once you know and you have a professional helping guide you through it, then you can sleep at night. It's not something you're up worried about all the time. And that's very important for entrepreneurs because a lot of them have trouble sleeping and you have enough to worry about. You know, why worry about all that stuff too? Peace of mind. Indeed. Indeed. I am that pain in the butt client for Amy's firm where I'm calling with everything because I don't want to deal with any of that. (laughs) Yeah. So for those of you that are listening that are ready to run, uh, not walk to find your CPA, because it is so important for all the areas that we've been talking about. In fact, we didn't even touch on some of the other areas that it's important, but these are the biggies. Um, What maybe what areas of the nation do you take clients and maybe what's the best way to connect with you and learn more? Yeah, so the majority of my clients are small to medium-sized businesses and real estate professionals uh, in Arizona and Colorado. So those are really my two target locations. However, I can take clients all over the country and I have clients all over the country. So that is definitely an option, especially these days when we have things like Zoom and uh, online secure portals and that kind of stuff. So that has made it much easier to work with a professional that might not be down the street from you to make sure it's the right person. And to get a hold of me, I have a website, which is myventurecpa.com. I have more information about myself and my business on that website, including all my contact information. I'm available you know, via phone, email, text, Facebook instant message. I do have a Facebook page, which I update regularly. We are uh, talking about tax planning this week on my Facebook page. So you can like the Facebook page and contact me through there. Um, And, you know, Zoom, we can (laughs) meet anywhere, anytime. So isn't that wonderful about what has forced us if we weren't already in this place in the last year and a half, for sure. Well, that is fabulous. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your time and your knowledge with us. And thank you listeners for joining me. I'm Sheila T. And until next time, wishing you a fabulous week. 